Hello and welcome to Phil's Breakfast Metal episode 103. So for the last couple of weeks I found myself listening to a lot of Doom. Don't know what it is, like maybe something the air going into winter, but it's been my kind of like go-to genre at the moment. And I think it'd be quite nice to do an episode focusing on the kind of modern death doom, funeral doom kind of scene. Because actually a lot of what I really enjoyed from 2021 kind of fit into those genres. And I think they're kind of, as a whole, having a kind of resurgence. Like, um, with the popularity of albums like Worm and Dream and Ending in the last, uh, last few months, I think there's a lot of people who previously might not have explored these genres, um who are starting to have more time for stuff that is um, a bit slower and a bit less immediate as stuff like Death Metal, um, which you know, a lot of these bands I'm going to be covering today do lean on very heavily. Although, also noticing this, like a lot of the ones I've been sort of in my head classifying as Doom bands do have a lot of linking to Black Metal. So, going through this, and you've probably seen some of the bands I've selected just from the cover of the episode... Um, yeah, don't get too annoyed if you would have classified some of these as black metal. Like, I'm no, never the best at genre classification, so uh, yeah, this might go a little all over the place. Also, I think I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but um, I'm starting a bit of an experiment through uh, 2022 of I am not picking up any new music, um, anything that I didn't already own at the start of the year. I'm only listening to releases I've got in my music library, so... Unfortunately, any requests to review stuff will have to go on hold to next year, but I thought it might be a fun thing for the, the podcast to sort of somewhat document this this experiment. I'm using it as an excuse to try and force myself to get a bit of a deeper understanding of the stuff I'm, I'm already listening to. So actually, a lot of the albums I covered today are stuff I'd picked up throughout the years, uh, particularly this year, actually, which are very long albums that I'd... Um, kind of neglected somewhat and this has been a great time to start work on that that idea of getting a bit of a deeper understanding of maybe some of the slightly more challenging albums I've had hanging around for a while. So the first album I want to cover is uh, one of my favourite albums from last year. This is Ethereal Shroud with their second and final album, Trision. Um So Ethereal Shroud is one man project from, um, from the UK it's um, listed on Metal Archives as depressive black metal slash funeral doom metal. So I think this is one very early on where we'll be getting to that problem I mentioned. Of I think a lot of people might see this release as a a black metal one, but there's certain elements to this, like the gigantic length of the songs um, and the kind of the overall feel of it. The to my mind, put it more in the doom camp. But as I say, I don't care too much about the genre. This will. This should at least appeal if you're you're a fan of either of those genres in any way. Uh, as I say, one of my favourite releases from last year, and released in an incredible manner, where Joe Hawker, the the one man behind it, sort of dropped it quite um, kind of with very little ceremony. Put this album out of like kind of I think like late November time, and just announced like he has hit the pinnacle with this project. He's done everything he wants to with it. He is moving on to new territories i know he currently has an instrumental project uh, by the name wisp on the on the go who also put out an ep this year which you know incredible work ethic of the guy doing two one-man projects at the same time so i wasn't aware of this band their, their previous album they became the falling ash um certainly had some um some fans to it so i think this was quite a highly anticipated one but for me i i was just blown away by the um the sheer quality of triscon um, it starts with the ridiculously kind of audacious half hour of Casmal Fires, which is just this wonderful journey through this like atmospheric synth laden death doom funeral doom black metal melding. It's it's kind of one of those wonderful songs which really makes use of that kind of runtime. It uses that to take the listener on this like kind of really good like cliched as it is just an amazing journey of like going through these great highs and lows having moments of kind of like more blasting furiousness than other moments where it's it's mainly leaning into the the kind of simplistic like subtle but very effective synth work the joe's vocals are primarily this like really reverb drenched kind of 
kind of relatively guttural, but something that again wouldn't sit entirely out of place on a on a black metal album. But his vocals sit very far back in the mix. The the lyrics and the kind of content, that kind of content, of the song is never never too forwardly present. Even when we get the kind of guest female vocals that come in halfway through the song, this they say these rises and falls in it are so immensely. Um, like just well planned it, it all feels very natural and that 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 half hour kind of goes by in a blink of an eye i particularly like towards the end of the track like around the 22 minute point it hits this moment where it feels like it's kind of fading out like doing the kind of long doom fade out but then do we get this really cool like uh kind of snare roll drum fill that keeps going and going and kind of builds back the riff into kind of a far more heavy ending um, the drum work is really well done in this. I think it, I'm almost certain because it's a one-man project, it's all going to be programmed. But he selected really nice tones for it, and his writing of the drums is really enthralling. Like they're kind of one of the major parts that kind of sticks with me from this. Um, the guitar work is is fairly kind of subtle and for the most part simplistic, moving between kind of heavier chords and a lot of like faster uh, tremolo picks kind of work. And again that that blends quite neatly with the with the kind of heavy keyboards that are quite high in the mix. There's a little bit of bass there, but it's mainly just there to just anchor everything down that traditional doom way where it's just giving us like you know the very clear groove. And with the the drums like the the snare is very kind of prominent in the mix so you get that kind of real noticeable thud to it i i love the the kind of balls of doing something less as a like kind of final statement on a band and just being like i'm not gonna top this and I, I think that that probably is true this is is one of those monumental releases so far i've only spoken about the first track there is two following it uh discarnate and astral mariner which are both massive in length but significantly shorter like i was about to say the second one's an interlude but it's 14 minutes long it is well and truly a full song in fact a very long song um but yeah like it's that that first half hour opener that this sort of has really stuck with me but the the album goes on an amazing progression throughout the um so as you may know based on the 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 title which i think according to google loosely translates to thrice holy which i believe like a kind of holy trinity reference like the this is very rooted in kind of um i believe like sort of christian belief but he's doing that kind of quite clever thing inside of using very christian language to sort of tack a religion like this is very very critical of uh, of organized religion and i, I think it's presented in a, in a really decent way for something that's kind of um you know classically overdone subject matter he he's gone for quite a kind of like intellectual approach to it and that kind of mixed with the way the the vocals are delivered I, I think works quite well and coupled with that we have an absolutely brilliant album cover i love this kind of image of um sort of it looks like a great kind of burning spired city um really really nice kind of painting i'm not sure who's who's responsible for that just notice i was completely wrong about something there is a reason the the drums sound so good they are performed by john kerr an american drummer actually i'm not familiar with any of his other projects but he's got quite a few active bands on the go at the moment so that is why they sound great there's also um a guest bass player in the form of richard spencer although as i say he doesn't get a hugely prominent place in the mix but you know he's doing important work holding down that kind of like anchoring that massive sound but yeah they, they yeah reason the drums sound so good so joe was the sole member behind their debut album whereas this one is is more of a full project although everyone is listed as guest players i think it's still very much uh was his band yeah i think what, what kind of really cements his album as being so good is that kind of the synth arrangements he's added to it using them throughout to in early parts of the album sort of mimic violins and feel like almost a touch like neoclassical with it and then later parts going more into that kind of uh almost like classic norwegian black metal sound and then other moments leaning towards almost the the kind of prog with um with them it just keeps the album feeling very kind of uh ever-changing there's so many sort of different moods and atmospheres he sort of creates throughout the the rest of the playing is incredibly competent and yeah as i say the the drumming is really 
really cool throughout. But like, I think the guitar work and bass and vocals so much more just serve the atmosphere of the songs or just, you know, layer down like a cool groove. I'm liable to keep rambling about this album, as I say, one of my favourites from last year. I think if you're someone who's more into black metal and has never really dipped their turn to Doom, this would be a fantastic starting point. Certainly something to kind of get you loose to that kind of longer, strong structure. Like these guys, well, this guy pulls it off amazingly. absolutely no debate about what genre they are this is telluric effluvium um that's e double f l u v i u m uh yes yeah, sorry a bit of a tricky one and i think i've mispronounced that this was a recommendation to me through the into the combine backstage lounge by sage keller i don't know if he he listens but he recommended some amazing doom which uh i think i've got a couple of his recommendations turn up in this episode this is an interesting one it's a for a funeral doom release ridiculously short it's um you know recording the metal archives a, a full-length album released in 2020 the album's called disillusion of the freefold self um interestingly a free track album which is essentially um one continuous half hour long song but broken into the three parts i imagine splitting into the the differences of the three folds with this great album cover of a skeleton peeling its own skin off in this like cool black and white style interestingly so the guys in this band and this is something i've noticed with few bands in the genre actually everything else they do has nothing to do with with doom metal like uh like two of them are in a band called monumental discharge you're like a joke slam band about poo no idea if they're good or bad that's that's not a judge on that style at all but yeah like the these guys like you know are, are doing a lot of stuff reminds me of um Oh, I'm blanking the band name now. Howling Void, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, it reminds me of how the Howling Void, like the guy behind that, does a lot of kind of far more extreme, fast to the point projects as well as that kind of very airy, bleak doom stuff. But yes, yeah, so back to um, uh, Telluric Effluvium. Uh, I'm going to say it differently every single time, I'm sorry. Uh, the album starts in such typical kind of doom fashion of one sort of very eerie sounding clean toe guitar playing this kind of simplistic slightly creepy evil sounding melody and other things are just added on top of this we have like a second kind of melody coming in a more simplistic drumming eventually just builds into like 
like a kind of very heavy guitar part over it and these long drawn out very guttural vocals i mean not true kind of brutal death guttural but just very low rumbling kind of deep in the chest kind of vocals of these huge drawn out screams over essentially the same melody evolving over this first like six minutes of the song i think it takes a slight detour after that but really it's just sitting in that vein and why i say this is undeniably funeral doom is it's just so slow the drumming is incredibly restrained like kind of the huge amount of space between each snare hit but without ever being boring this is not simplistic drumming it's just not fast um these guys create an incredible atmosphere it's very consistent the half hour has this kind of strange oppressive creeping evil quality to it i i find it a very a very affecting release and the fact there's no real relenting all you get in terms of anything clean to latch onto is those occasional clean tone guitar passages which are kind of haunting and unnerving having just listened to the i've listened to this one twice today actually um and i can't get that first bit of guitar out of my head it's kind of yeah, it's sitting there in a weird way. There are moments where things change up a bit. I do like, and this is this is something I really enjoy in metal actually when it's pulled off well, is in the third part of it, we're kind of like the final like five minutes or so of the album, we suddenly get this very quick double kick section. And it has so much impact because you've never heard it before in the preceding 20 minutes of the album. It sounds very, um, very intense and overbearing. And I love that when bands pull off like, and suddenly double kicks to give a song like huge momentum and intensity especially when the you know having a build-up like this i also like i love the restraint of them putting this out as like a half hour full length like many funeral doom bands especially ones like these guys this is like their debut they have i don't believe they even have any demos before this it's just this release um you know they lean into that temptation to make all the songs way too long but this is incredibly restrained on that front so again it's like if you're someone who's a bit new to the genre this might be a cool starting point in that it's it's quite digestible a band they really put me in mind of that the, that one detail does not is esoteric um the uk kind of progressive funeral doom band similar vocal delivery and their slower kind of more apocalyptic moments they, they have a very similar style but um esoteric tend to release albums that cannot fit on a single cd uh like into the 100 minute mark so they certainly don't have that kind of extreme editing restraint uh to lyric effluvium have the only ever so slight letdowns of this album is the the drum tone isn't amazing the the kicks particularly sound a bit kind of like a wet thump which um i think if they had a drum sound like the ethereal shroud um album then it would be you know truly next level stuff but as i say it's a debut these guys um i really hope they do more in this vein because they're they're on something very cool with this
so I want to get into some bands that do some real clean vocal stuff in this episode as well, because I I think realistically I'd still categorise them in the general realm of death doom if they as long as they got the screaming element and the heaviness there. And a band who have been going for a very long time um, and doing that style very well is uh, Funeral from Norway, not to be confused with any of the other 30 funerals uh, out there. Um, amazingly, one-word band names <laughs> do cause a bit of confusion. But yeah, Funeral have been going in many incarnations since uh, 1991. They've had a huge amount of lineup changes, and it's just uh, drummer uh, Anders Ek who's kind of kept them together. I think he was like guitar in some of the very early days but yeah has is now just the drummer for the project and he's got a lineup that have sort of in varying degrees been with him for the last couple of albums so this album has been a long time coming for fans their last release uh oratorium was in 2012 and their latest uh, presentalius in aeternum um i don't know how to pronounce that first word properly, I do apologise, um, came out this year, so it's almost a decade after their previous release, and prior to that, they'd been going relatively steady, putting out, like, uh, four albums in, like, a ten-year period, and particularly for this kind of, like, really dense Doom. That's quite impressive. The reason I feel this leans so much into Death Doom, despite clean vocals being the primary kind of uh, lead of the album... He's this monster guitar tone. So it's a Seasons of Mist release. It's a very, very professional recording. This is a very slick album. It doesn't have any of that rough demo quality that the previous album I discussed had. But there's something very well done about this. So there's sort of slight ties to a lot of those um, classic Norwegian bands who have kind of moved out of the wilderness of black metal into various like pastures like we have uh, guest uh, vocals i think the whole first song is sung by uh Lase of Borknagar and solifald fame which yeah immediately led me down the path of thinking kind of what those bands sound like with this kind of heavier more down-tuned guitar and essentially the answer to that is funeral the main vocals on the album though are done by uh Sinedra Nederland of um, In Vain Fane, who does a fantastic job of mixing both these kind of really harsh, drawn-out screams with his wonderful, clean singing voice. He's not a million miles off uh, Luz's approach, just uh, slightly, slightly lower and uh, a little more goth-inspired, I guess. There, There is the ever-so-slight hint of goth to this, although not, not in as extreme a way as something like last year's Ruins of Everest album. One of the reasons I feel somewhat under-equipped to fully review this album is it is absolutely monumental length. It's almost an hour and a half, like, just a gigantic album with a lot of different songs. Like, mainly, they actually keep the songs quite tight with these kind of um, under-10-minute structures, but there's ten of the bloody things. Um, and I really like what they do. These are very well-constructed songs. They don't lean into, like particularly typical song structures there's a lot of interesting movements between the heavy and light sections lots of use of clean tone guitar um funeral have a six-piece lineup as well so lone vocalists and additional keyboard players so there's lots of space for kind of melodic elements like the keys often add some kind of epicness there's often kind of um cool harmonies done with a lot of backing vocals occasional moments of um very kind of heavy metal inspired lead guitar but not not even true solos but just like that kind of like yeah just that that real tone being lent on in, in places which adds adds a nice diversity to that kind of very heavy chug of the um the rhythm guitar and uh, like i think that is really the star of this though is the the riffs this this album is full of great death doom riffs these kind of re things that sound like if you took a classic death metal riff and slowed it down Loads of those strung together between atmospheric moments with with amazing, kind of catchy, memorable, clean vocals. And yeah, I, I think Funeral have put out... I'm only familiar with their kind of last couple of albums, and this is the most engaging I've found one of theirs in a while. Um, I'm not going to attempt any of the song titles because they're all Norwegian, but there's a lot of moments, particularly in the first half of the album, which, um, yeah, I, I found incredibly enthralling and... You know, all those myriad elements coming together uh, make for 
make for something that, you know, can hold your attention over an hour and a half play. The only thing that lets this album down, actually, like, the, the kind of real frustration, and I think Strictly is probably a bonus track because it's a cover on the end of it, but there is a straight-up ca- cover of The Samaritan by Candlemas is the final track, and as I say, they play it totally straight, and as great as Funeral's vocalist is, you're never gonna do Messiah like Messiah does. Like, no one else can get that kind of rolling vibrato to the same extent. So his vocals that have been so crabbing me for the whole album suddenly sounded a bit weedy on this last track. But, you know, easily remedied. As I say, it's an hour and a half. You can just skip the last five minutes and lose nothing. So, I tell a lie. I'm actually finding some conflicting information about what strictly is part of the album runtime. I've seen like a six track version of it, a seven track version, and then the ten track one I've got. I mean, I like it as as the, the ten track version, and I think if you, you search for the name of this album um, on Bandcamp, that's the one that comes up. So, you know, enjoy it in that form, but yeah, maybe don't judge it on the uh, second half quite as harshly. As I say, I did think the, the real sterling moments are in probably the first five songs. But yeah, they, this is just a great example of like, kind of one of the progenitors of the genre coming back and showing showing bands they can still do it to this level. Like, uh, their their early releases, well, they've been around since, like, mid-90s, must be some of the... some of those kind of, you know, in the first, like, 20 or so Funeral Doom albums. I have no idea if I'm right about that. But they're, they were early on in the game, at any rate. So next up we have a two-part album, the first part of which takes us all the way back to 2011. This is Ave Maria from uh, Yadal, uh, Y-H-D-A-R-L. This is a project of multi-instrumentalists and the busiest man in black metal, Dea. Um, so Dea, I, I categorise as a guy who does a lot of black metal, he does a lot of different genres and actually... Um, Yudal being one of his longest running projects along with his more traditional Doom project, uh, Slow, started back in 2007. I think it's some of his kind of early releases. Ave Maria is the, the fifth uh, full-length album, although it's a string of EPs, demos and splits for this band. And, you know, had already at this stage in his career, I think, put out about 15 albums ahead of this. But by recent years, the guy's put out well into the hundreds. He's an absolute just ridiculously active creative and what was kind of interesting with him as a character is i often the criticism i hear people who told like oh this guy put out 10 or what albums last year um is oh yeah but surely they'd be good if they were more edited like you you know maybe even more focused but this guy somehow manages to spin gold in the shortest amount of time he these two albums i'm going to cover are incredible now they lean more towards the drone end of stuff in places. So if that's something that will be off-putting to you, particularly Ave Maria Part 1, I might skip over. But if you're willing to kind of engage with something like this, 
There is actually a lot more to it than that. And it only touches on drone. This is far from a drone album. So what this release is, is essentially one 50-minute long song, and then there's kind of a, a more um, like epic outro, like eight eight-minute, um, what they call orchestral version, which kind of some of the melodies played more lean to keyboards and cleans. And the first 20 minutes of this 50-minute monster is this kind of like very hard to pin down noise ringing out in the background like kind of a slight melody that's kind of i think a combination of keyboards and possibly some guitar in there but it's kind of hard to tell and then layered over the top of this we start with some kind of clean choral vocals which i believe are actually um a couple of guest uh guest singers they got in like he did really record this choir for it but it um very much <laughs> like initially puts me in mind of the intro to um type negatives christian woman it's that kind of choral singing but that evolves and it takes on this kind of slightly sinister air and then the kind of dual vocals of dea and his um sort of main collaborator with in um yadal uh lavis lefisa Lefus? Uh, I sorry, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but she she's another fantastic screamer, and she has the the ability to go so much higher than Daya and hit these kind of truly kind of soul piercing shrieks. Like the the first twenty minutes of this this song is so fucking disturbing. Like the way Daya produces his vocals and and she does as well are like. There's some of the best black metal vocals I can think of. I absolutely love their delivery. It's so kind of pained and extreme, but has so much kind of soul and energy. Like, there particularly always has this amazing thing of having, like, a hint of melody to his scream while having, like, you know, it be this kind of truly pained shriek. So, yeah, you've got this slow kind of burn build-up of just this odd soundscape full of like beautiful choir or like vocals and then these harsh melodies and then at the 20 minute mark suddenly guitars kick in with these huge resounding chords and that's more or less all that the guitar and drums do is produce these like big doom chords like this is where it becomes very much a funeral doom song and not something maybe more akin to the drone camp and the song kind of just moves on like that, having this kind of back and forth between these huge doom riffs with these completely all over the place, like intense scream vocals, and then into these more like ambient sections of back and forth. And the, the song has a really good kind of flow to it. It like naturally chooses the right moment to dip and get more mellow and then comes back with something heavy, culminating in this like really kind of um massive sounding ending and i think particularly it sounds huge because it's lent on the kind of empty space and kind of mellowless in certain places and what really sells it more than anything is that these are just some of the most blood-curdling vocals i have heard in metal like really quite incredible vocal performances by everyone involved um Four members of uh, the 2011 lineup of Enthroned are also credited with vocals, so not quite sure who every scream is, but you can kind of tell the, who the super highs are, and there's moments which just sound so specifically Daya, who I really, in recent years, is becoming like my favourite black metal vocalist. Even though this isn't black metal, it's it's more of a um, black metal delivery, I'd say. <laughs>
see what I mean about that. It's so incredibly intense. And a lot of that is down to the vocal performance. But I think something else that this album and its follow-up really speak to is the incredible intensity that can only be produced by giving something this long to breathe, to have it move through such a long kind of build-up, which is the nicety of Doom, which kind of keeps it like one of metal's best-kept secrets. Just like to the average metal listener, Doom is as much of a joke as kind of, you know, immortal era kind of black metal is, where it's like, you know, the oh, the drummer, you know, can go for a cup of tea between each snare hit. But actually, there's something fascinating about the genre because it eschews so many of the classic staples of heavy metal that, you know, we don't have any flashy musicianship. Like, solos are very rare in the Death Doom, Funeral Doom camp. Um, things are often pulled back a long way from kind of almost traditional riffing, or there's a lot of space that w wouldn't just be big riffs or kind of massive vocal hooks. I mean, Funeral kind of have a, more of that stuff, but something like this really leans into that area where you can truly create something very soundscapey using primarily guitars and scream vocals, something that is, you know, more, like, you know, famed for being very upright and in your face, like, um, and I think, yeah, like, with this release, Dea's created something over its around an hour runtime that is deeply powerful and affecting and really masterful. It does not feel like, you know, something he bashed out in a couple of nights, but he must have because he released so much around it, like, the guy is an absolute machine on that front. If you liked what you heard from that, the the band are still active, I believe. They they oh they they put out a, an album uh, this year as well. But there's um a lot of great material, and they they kind of more often, at least what I'm kind of used to with them, lean towards the kind of black metal end of things. Their 2018 album Loss, I really enjoyed. I felt um yeah that's kind of much more traditional song structures but with that great vocal performance put to them um it's not the most polished stuff you'll ever hear but it does leave a lot of space for kind of interesting experimentation like we have on ave maria and so the reason like i'm covering kind of such an old album in this um episode is because it got its follow-up in the kind of i believe the last month of this year with uh, ave maria part two oh actually released on 5th november but um a 42 minute long single track follow-up to the single track uh debut for whatever reason dare said he he decided to make this one um under his own name rather than following up under yadal um not quite sure the reason i think because he decided to take on the kind of primary screen vocal duties so everything is done by him on this album much as much as before um like you know all the kind of all the musicianship all the kind of recording mixing and mastering um and we have guest vocals from uh Madikin de Vries uh, a Netherlands based um operatic singer who does these amazing over the top uh soprano vocals throughout so Leaning into that choral sense we had on the first album, we now have the kind of lead of this one being this real bombastic soprano voice. Now, Ave Maria Part 2 is a much more kind of accessible listen. Like, with, there's none of that 20-minute wait before we get the guitars. There's big chords and, you know, things approaching traditional doom riffs coming in throughout this, much less of those kind of long ambient sections although they they still reappear and we are just kind of led the whole way through it by um by her amazing clean vocals uh the the kind of um like yeah she she is a truly brilliant operatic vocalist and it has that that sort of amazing trade-off between her highs and um dare's ridiculous pain screen the two go back and forth in a really interesting way um throughout if you remember that album i think from two years ago falkenkammer there's a bit of that to it although imagine that same woman's vocal performance being put into a kind of more doom setting and it just fits this so well because we have that 42 minutes to kind of play this out it has a very kind of like classical nature to it being like this long evolving piece 
which suits the you know the classical operatic vocals and so i absolutely love the vocal performance it's a real stand-up from last year that i'm kind of disappointed i kind of missed as you may have noticed a lot of these um albums i'm talking about really exciting releases from the very tail end of uh 2021 because as i say i think towards the end of the year doom just had this kind of explosion but yeah i i'd say the the ave maria uh, two-parter well worth going out and picking up both and listen to them back to back if you can clear out about an hour and a half to to play them both through they make such a brilliant continuous piece and i think Dea really outdid himself finding a way to follow up kind of a a legendary debut with finding a way to sort of somewhat evolve the uh, the, the ideas of that without kind of um because he was never going to make it more disturbing i think that he probably is the creepiest release i've ever heard from him but um finding a way to kind of evolve the other ideas, the choir oral elements, the kind of the more riffy parts, like some of those clean versus harsh vocal trade-offs. Like he really puts to an interesting place with this one. If you're um, interested in sort of what he did in this, he, I think this is this year as well. Um, he put out a kind of um, more traditional um, Doom album, Doomed Youth, uh, which kind of more, like, I'd say, like, takes some kind of, St. Vice's type influence, like more leaning into the clean vocals, like so, yeah, got some really good stuff in that thing, and that's under his own name. And from just before, we have uh, Contrast Two from twenty twenty, which I thought was truly amazing, kind of um, more black metal release from uh, from him. Like with there, there is so much to to sort of go through, like you know, very difficult to to recommend a start point but i'd say just pick up one of these albums and and give it a try you don't need to hear everything he's done he's you know he, he goes through a million genres the odds are you won't be a fan of every genre but when he sort of puts his mind to i think particularly the the kind of black metal stuff or this kind of very experimental doom he he has a real kind of mastery of it and and this this um, two-part album really shows that off. I hope one day he releases it as like a as a dual release because it, you know, it feels like that kind of product. So as we've just been on the subject of Dare, why not continue with another one of his releases I wanted to cover. This is his uh, other long-running project, Slow, with their fifth album, The Oceans, from 2017. So this project, I think, put out their first demo back in 2007, and in the meantime put out um, eight albums, apparently ranged between kind of drone and like the more atmospheric funeral doom um well that is somewhat according to metal archives there's no way i've listened to all of these but oceans was one that, that kind of really struck me as a a kind of great release um it's very different fare from what we were just talking about i'd say this fits neatly in the camp of trad funeral doom like very slow like lots of kind of long echoing keyboard parts over everything um it does get blasty in places but in that very washed out kind of black metal way where you kind of get the sensation the speed is increased but you're not 
being overwhelmed by double pedals or anything like that. But for the most part, it's mainly, you know, a very slow band. What a surprise. Um, yeah, he, he sort of really takes time about this. What he's um, doing that I kind of quite like that kind of distinguishes this from some of his other work is he's going for these far more guttural kind of vocals. Like, being told it's him, you can still hear that edge of... I guess what makes there there, but like it is a very different vocal performance for him. Not something I've heard on many of the other albums I've heard him on. Like this did strike me as um as somewhat unique. And what like kind of really sells this one is just the great keyboard work. I feel like a lot of the riffing, as I say, is more simple, tr like trad funeral doom, that kind of long spaced out guitars, lots of relying on, on massive chords or just kind of heavy chugs in places. But the keyboards just give it in that injection uh, of emotion. Um, yeah, like, and then in places, it's it's kind of Dare's vocals that add that kind of real kind of pained, hurt, sorrowful thing you want from Great Funeral Doom. Um, there's these amazing bits in uh, in Mort where his voice, and it's, I'm pretty sure it's one track of vocals, seems to be simultaneously high and low because, like, some kind of splitting is going on. Like, like, I can't be good for you, whatever technique he's doing. But it really puts across, like, the energy and emotion of, like, this, like, kind of really tortured individual that the kind of the lyrics and the kind of just general structure of this song is um of the, the kind of album sorry is is trying to communicate i'd say the kind of songs they kind of lean back and forth between these kind of almost like fist pumping chug moments to then these like massive kind of uh swells of emotion like these kind of real moments of uh i guess it's like alleviation from the heaviness where like the huge choral synths just like kind of swell in like Maybe not uplifting, but as much as like epic and dramatic ways. So yeah, it kind of moves back and forth from the kind of death metally bits into these kind of massive, powerful swells. But if you know the genre at all, I think you know what they're kind of getting into here. But I feel it's a very well done example of it. Particularly again, is it being like this this kind of one man project? It still has the kind of tightness and heft you would hope from a full band performing this but it is just like as i say Dea just doing his, his one man thing if you haven't looked into his stuff before i know i do plug him a lot on the podcast i'm a bit of a a bit of a fanboy but he has a load of great stuff on youtube where he sort of does these two hour streams where you can see him constructing a full piece of music like he would for something like slow where he'll sit down his guitar write a riff layer that up go like, right, I kind of want this drum groove and then work out and go, okay, I want a keyboard part repeating over this and just put together in, in a kind of a two to four hour session these massive songs. Like, he's a guy who's very adept at writing long music without overstaying its welcome. And it's, it's I wouldn't, like, maybe don't watch the whole four hours of any of these streams, but skip through it and, skipping through it and, like, watching the song kind of evolve um he's looking at the guy has such a natural mastery of writing it's uh, it's truly incredible i should mention actually as well we with slow like he's relatively restrained on the song lengths the the album is under an hour and most of the songs are about the 10 minute mark which but again for this style of uh of doom i think um works really well it again doesn't overstay its welcome it's it is tightly written it, it isn't particularly yeah self-indulgent or anything like that and I think that really helps it have kind of such an emotional payoff.
so I realise I haven't been saying the names enough. That last band was Slow and their uh, 2017 album, Oceans. Uh, as you can probably tell, this episode, a little difficult to pl- like choose clips that are truly representative. But if you're getting a hint of you're liking the sound of any of this, I, I recommend going away and like do check out the albums in full. Doom is not an album that's easy to sell in a minute and a half clips, sadly. So I think I won't go on too long with this episode, because I think there's a lot to digest there. Um, I've got a big list I want to do, so I'll probably split it in half here and release the second part in 10 days or so time. So I'll do one more album, and then I'll split it out into the second episode. So the the final band I want to cover for today's episode is um, Wastes from France, with their debut and so far only album, Into the Void of Human Vacuity. This is another Sage Keller recommendation, and it's a bit of a beast, this one. Um, immediately sells me on the amazingly weird um, album cover with this kind of very strange black and white landscape that kind of looks almost like twisted human moraines, but then there's like a, a shadowy human figure in the foreground implying great scale to the... Uh, the stuff in the background. It's um, split into seven tracks, but is essentially one 45-minute-long song performed entirely by uh, vocalist, guitarist, and bass player, I assume drum programmer, Laurent uh, Clolette, who is um, probably better known for his um, his main band, um, Morning Dawn, who are, I believe, more of a black metal project, but again, I, I'm not really too familiar although apparently he goes by the name pokemon slaughterer in that so don't know if it's too desperately serious black metal but then i don't know black metal because sometimes sounds take itself a little less seriously this project on the other hand though i had say very serious music um there is there are no lyrics or song titles it's just part one through seven um so we only have the album title and the band name Wastes to go on in that front. You're you're not understanding a word of Lawrence's vocals. Um, he has a fantastic, uh, like, really reverberating, guttural uh, delivery. Um, actually, um, there is moments in this album, I think I think comes up in part four, uh, he does a proper Dea-esque scream, like, kind of talk scream, which is one of uh, Dea's real... Uh, kind of trademark noises so as I say any vocalist who can kind of remind me of that definitely um definitely one I'm I'm fond of um yeah it's it's more of a brutal release this one I'd say it's possibly the most brutal of the ones we've covered today there's something real like nasty death doom darkness about it's very kind of um I don't know, it's got more of that kind of brutal death metal energy to it. The the songs are slow, like the the kind of um the the main structure of a waste's riff seems to be like this kind of slow rhythmic pattern of big heavy chords with a more rapid repeating quite sinister melody that goes around loads and loads of times and has this weird kind of like sort of circular nature like they're the fairly traditional death doom riff there but i i love that kind of it once you get those melodies right and find the chords them to sit over you can make something kind of intense with that there's some great moments in this um there's one part sort of towards the middle of the one giant track where um this kind of repeating lead melody over these like sort of heavy chord patterns that's going for a bit and then we get this real fast blast beat come over, but the the pattern sort of remains the same. It goes melt, it goes kind of slow again, then back to the blasting, and that kind of sudden intensity, um, I don't know, really kind of grabs your attention. That thing of like suddenly hearing fast drumming after a long time of not really makes for something kind of special. Um, towards the end of it, we even get like this kind of real nasty kind of. Um, proper kind of death metal whammy bar driven solo that goes for quite a you know good couple of minutes in kind of the later section of the album and then uh towards the end we get this kind of female spoken word passage which um adds a real kind of touch of drama and reminds me of the uh first vegan dodd album they're kind of having that as like an outro kind of portion to um i don't know it's a the spoken word outro i quite like as a um as a technique it can can make for 
something just seeming rather epic. What I'd say with Waste is this is definitely one for people who like their Doom a bit more action-packed, a bit more moving parts and lots to latch onto, things to quickly kind of grab your attention rather than just waiting purely for the atmosphere to do its job. Not to say it doesn't, it lacks atmosphere. It wouldn't be good Doom if it if it didn't have incredible atmosphere. This is a very dark, brutal, oppressive album, but it's got great riffs in it. It's got great melodies, amazing vocal performance. Love the vocals. Real good variety going on there, like between the kind of intense gutturals and then going into these kind of higher distorted screams. Like he is a very um, gifted vocalist. And once again, crap job on my research. There is basically a full band behind this. We have um, drummer, two guitarists, keyboard player, and obviously uh, the the guest vocalist, um, who are all from a group of French bands, which are really causing me to, um, yeah, question my knowledge of that scene. And sadly, I can't check out any for uh, for a year. So um, yeah, we have a couple of guys from uh, Sordid who. Um, like, yeah, kind of a, a longer, longish running black metal project with a couple albums out. Um, uh, the One of the two guitarists is is from a couple of bands. Again, I don't recognize the name, but more black metal projects. Um, the keyboard players from Pantheist, among other bands, who are kind of a slightly sort of more legendary, um, legendary band. And then the guest vocalist... Um, Nadine has a couple of projects of her own, I think both black metal. One, uh, Ernt, her recently formed one, I believe, who put out an album in the last couple of days. So, um, and then, then, then actually it's not all from the French scene. Some of these people are from all over. But yeah, whole string of bands I know very little about. But based off the strength of um, Waste's incredible album, um, I would definitely want to delve further. So say, I'd possibly a bad choice putting this one so far into the episode because i think this would almost be my start point if you've not messed around with death doom before but you particularly if you're like a kind of death or thrash metal fan this might be the thing to to get you in there it's slow and does take its time but it has these melodies riffs and other parts that are just that much more immediate so, as I say, I'm uh, going to keep this one relatively short. I think um, I think splitting this into two episodes that put out a couple of weeks apart might be a good idea. So, as always, uh, if you want to get in touch, philsbreakfastmetal uh, at gmail.com, philsbreakfastmetal uh, on Facebook, or at breakfastmetal on Twitter. I, as I say, I'm not really listening to anything new at the moment, so I'm I am not, not really taking a lot of recommendations. Although the one... Um, the one way I've already started breaking that rule is if anyone does want to buy me music, totally fine with that. I will I will listen to to any any gifted music or anything like that. Doesn't necessarily mean I'll cover it on the podcast or or anything like that. But yeah, for the most part, I'm continuing my experiment and uh, learning sort of my my existing collection and getting getting used to those albums I, I've possibly overlooked. So say there's a couple in here a little bit older that I've had for quite some time. Um, yeah, that I'm finally getting around to. And obviously, stuff like Funeral it still requires a lot of my attention. Like, I really can't say I've digested that hour-plus kind of album yet. I, I need more time with it. Anyway, thanks a lot for listening. I'll be back with part two relatively soon. Mm-hmm.